0: Paul Boyer and the congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together.
1: proud to be here this morning. I'm proud of the position that God put me in. I'm proud of where we meet and who I meet with. We're talking today about pride, and I kind of made a couple of jokes about being prideful, how I wanted you to come in and sit down and be quiet so you could hear me speak because, you know, I'm obviously so good. That's Pride. I hope you understand I was joking. I hope I understand I was joking, because I was really thinking, I wish they would sit down so I could, no, but I'm here to talk about pride. Now I think we use the word pride in a couple of different ways in English, don't we? Now my buddy here from Georgia is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. My cousins from Alabama used to, when I'd go to visit, they'd say, are you proud to be here? I said, what? I, I'm happy to be here. I don't know if I'm proud of it or not, but, you know, that's an old Southern, you proud to be here? That's one way to use it. We can use the word proud in another way. I am proud of you. I, I'm proud of the Victory Church. I'm proud of how when hard times come on, one of our members, that everybody rallies around them. I'm proud of how we're all one family and we reach out to each other and we pray for each other and we help each other and we watch each other's kids. I'm proud of that. Is that wrong? I'm proud of my wife. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my grandkids. Because obviously my grandkids are much cuter than your grandkids. So I'm proud of them. Is that wrong? I don't think so. I mean, there are different kinds of pride, aren't there? There's the pride that I was just explaining how I was proud of my family. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of you. But that comes from love and adoration, not selfishness and vain glory, doesn't it? I'm proud of you because I love you. And, I, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this body with a people like you. I can be proud of that. Is that dangerous? Maybe. When that pride becomes self-centered, and when that pride becomes selfish, when I, my pride in my church outweighs my pride in God, it becomes idolatry, doesn't it? If I were to place my family above my relationship with God, they become my God. There's a different kind of pride. There's the real pride, the sinful pride. That's the pride that kills this is love for self this is placing self above all other things including God have you ever thought about this look think about this think about it just for a second pride is the root of all sin if you take any sin name it and you peel back the layers and you peel back the diversion and you peel back the glaze that we put on it to make it look more palatable. If you peel all that back, what are you going to find at the core of it? You're going to find pride. You're going to find selfishness. You're going to find self-interest. Name a sin. Look at it. Dissect it. Look at the root of it. And at the core, festering like an infection, you're going to find pride. You're going to find pride. Pride is the root of all sin. What do you think of when I say the original sin? What, first, what comes to your mind? Original sin. Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, right? Was that the original sin? Is that the first one? No. Sin already existed, it just didn't exist in the world. It had not infected humankind before the fall but sin had already existed let me read you a little bit from Ezekiel chapter 28 you realize this that before Adam and Eve there was pride in heaven sinful pride pride that kills love for self placing self above other things even God Ezekiel chapter 28 this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel he said the word of the Lord came to me Son of man, lament for the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre is representative of Satan. And say to him, this is what the Lord God says. He's speaking to Satan. This is God speaking to the devil. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Kind of talking about me. You were in the garden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you. Carnelian, topaz, diamond, beryl, uh, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald. Your mountings and settings were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. The devil is a created thing. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Imagine that. Anointed guardian cherub. For I had appointed you you were on the holy mountain of God you walked among the fiery stones from the day you were created you were blameless in your ways until wickedness was found in you through the abundance of your trade you were filled with violence and you sinned you sinned so I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you guardian cherub from among the fiery stones your heart became proud because of your beauty for the sake of your splendor you corrupted your wisdom so I threw you down to earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings that's pride that is the pride of Satan he was thrown down from heaven to the earth and was made a spectacle before kings. Why? Because he loved himself more than he loved God. He became proud and arrogant and vain, and God threw him to earth. And he took his pride with him. He now has his own kingdom on earth. He took his pride with him and he passed it on to us. In Job 41, God is speaking of the Leviathan. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated Satan and devil can also be translated Leviathan. Now, when we think about Leviathan, we think of a snake-like creature, this giant creature that comes from the depths of the sea. What it really means is the coiled one the serpent. And you know what he says about the coiled one? He says, it looks down on all that are haughty. It is the king over all that are proud. Satan is the king of the proud. But that's not enough. There was pride in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, first four verses, it says, Now the serpent, Leviathan, the coiled one, was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden, God says you must not eat it or touch it or you will die A little embellishment on her part God didn't say anything about touching the fruit he said you can't eat it no you will not die the serpent said to the woman in his best Coast Guard recruiting voice I mean um, in his best cars, used car salesman voice in fact God knows that when you eat it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God what's he appealing to he's appealing to her pride don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to know good from evil? The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and, she, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom for herself, to assuage her pride, to make herself more like God. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And you know what happened next? Their eyes were open, they realized they were naked, they were humbled and humiliated before God. Why? Because of their sin? Because of their pride. Did it stop there? Remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? He's standing on the top on the the, the highest point of the palace, and he's looking out across the city, and he says... Behold, Babylon the Great, the I have created through the power of my own hand. What happened? Remember the story. God said, "Because of your pride, I will humble you. You will be like an animal." He, Nebuchadnezzar, spent seven years crawling on his hands and knees in the dirt and grazing like a cow. Seven years. Because of his pride. Because he thought Babylon the Great was created by him and his power. What about Job? Remember the story of Job? The devil's moving throughout the world, around the world looking for whom he might destroy. And he challenged God. He said, there's no one here that loves you. There's no one righteous and God says oh really consider my servant Job Satan said yeah but you've got a shield of protection around him let me have him for a while and we'll see how righteous he, he remains so what happened to Job? God withdrew his protection to a point point. and Satan worked in Job's life he, he killed his family he destroyed his wealth he even destroyed his health so here's Job And sackcloth and ashes, sitting in a pile of ashes, scraping his sores with a pot chard, questioning God. Now, I don't know about you, but if my family had had all been taken out and all of my wealth had been destroyed and I was covered with boils and sores and I'm sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping myself with a pot, I would probably question God too, wouldn't you? You know, there's no sin in questioning God, there's not. He wants a relationship with us, He wants to know what's in our heart. So that's not a sin, that's not pride, God why did you let this happen to me? I've served you, I've been righteous, why did you let this happen to me? What was God's reply? Let me le- read you a little bit of God's reply. I'm in Job chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it? What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who did that? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment, in thick darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, when I declared you will come this far and no farther. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place so that it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it? the earth is changed as clay by a seal its hills hills stand out like the folds of a garment light is withheld from the wicked and the arm raised in violence is broken have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked the depths of the ocean have the gates of death been revealed to you have you seen the gates of death's shadow have you comprehended the extent of the earth tell me if you know all this what's God saying what's God saying to me who are you to be proud who are you to be proud do you have an answer because pride is sin and sin is pride and I have to stand here after reading job 38 and it goes on to chapter 42 I mean he doesn't stop I'm a proud and sinful man I try not to be I try to be humble I try to say the right things I try never to hurt anyone's feelings but there are people in this room that I've hurt with my pride and my arrogance are you proud are you answer me are you proud who here says they're not proud if you answer yes that's pride we're all prideful we're all sinful and we've all fallen you know why that is sin is a hereditary disease that we caught from our parents and there's only one cure. There's only one. Now, that cure is not money. It's not possessions. It's not humility. It's not selfishness. It's not self-dependency. You know, because under the power of my own will, I can be good. I can say the right things. If I'm careful enough and willful enough, strengthen my own will, I can appear to be humble, can't I? But is that humility or is that self-worship? Who's the idol now? Who is my God? My God then is me. So what am I to conclude here? There's no cure, there's no way out. This prideful, sinful life that I live is all there is, and there's nothing I can do about it. Is that the answer? No, there's a better answer. Because sin is hereditary disease, and there's only one cure, and that cure's name is Jesus. That's the only cure. That's the only power that can help me overcome my pride and my sin. I can't do it on my own. I'm not capable. But God, in His glory and His mercy for us, sent His Son to overcome all of that, to put that side of, that pride aside, to overcome self and selfishness. It says in Romans five starting in verse 18. So then as though one trespass as, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, you too. So also through one righteous act there is life-giving justification for everyone, including you. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through whom? Jesus Christ our Lord. So what are we to do? How do we manage this? Where do we go from here? You have to start by examining yourself. You need to know your pride. You need to see it in yourself. You need to understand that you are a proud and boastful person. And when that pride rises up, you need to take it and lay it at the foot of the cross. You need to give it to the Lord. Then you need to examine Jesus. You need to see victory over pride, sin, and death through Him. Can you see it? Lay your pride at His feet and you never have to carry it again, forever. All pride and glory belongs to whom? All pride and glory belongs to God all we have is his all we are have accomplished is in accordance with his will salvation from our sin and our pride can only be found in him give your life to him and sin and pride will have mastery over you no more Leviathan has been defeated Jesus death on the cross And perfect obedience to his Father's will saved us from pride. He had no pride in anything but his Father. You need to put it down. You need to come to him. And that is where the power comes from. Not from self, not from possessions, not from position, not from authority. It comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. I want to close with reading you Psalm 14. As I'm reading this, I'll ask you to examine your heart. Look into yourself and see if I'm talking about you. Because I certainly am talking about me. Examine your heart. Apply Psalm 14 to your heart and see if it describes you. And if it does, today is the day that you can lay this down and walk away from it, that you can get the power and the strength to overcome your pride. You can get it from move it from your life forever, but only through the power of Jesus Christ. This is entitled A Portrait of Sinners. Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart God does not exist. They are corrupt. Their actions are revolting. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. Then they will be filled with terror, for God is with those who are righteous. You sinners frustrate the plans of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice, Israel will be glad. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Israel's deliverance came from Zion. He came from the hill, the mighty fortress of God. And he died and was buried and was resurrected to give us victory over pride. Where is your pride? Is it love and adoration for Christ or love and adoration for yourself? The latter leads to death, the former leads to life. You choose. I'm going to pray. Musicians want to come up and get in their place. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of invitation. And I ask while I'm praying and while we're singing this song that you examine your heart. Recognize the pride that lives there that's just waiting to burst forward and recognize the strength that Jesus can give you to overcome that pride and overcome the sin that pride inevitably leads to. So take this time to examine your heart. During this song of invitation, I ask if you you have a burden on your heart about pride or anything else. If you just need someone to pray with you, to put an arm around you, to let you know that you are loved, bring it to the altar. This is as close as we get to an altar. Bring it to the altar. We'll pray for you, we'll hold you, we'll cry with you. If you're lonely and alone and lost and you don't know Jesus Christ, this is the time to do business with God. This is the time to come into His kingdom, place your pride in God through Jesus and not on yourself. This is the time to get yourself right with God. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today's the day and time is short. Lord God, we place our pride in you. We come before you humbly, broken people. We call out to you in our pride and our sinfulness and we ask for your forgiveness and your redemption and your justification. We ask you to send us a savior and you did. You sent us your son and he died on that cross to carry the burden for the pride that lives in us. You sent your son to take our place so that we would not have to suffer death because of our pride and our sinfulness. We praise you for that. We love you for your mercy we love you for all that you are and all that you've done and all you will continue to do and all the healing that you can bring and all that is in your plan for us as Victory Church and for us as individuals we ask Lord that you be with us today open our hearts let us see the pride that festers there bring it out into the daylight bring it out to the light that is your son so that he may defeat it forever Be with us and guide us, Lord, because we can only get through this life with you and through you. We ask that you send your presence. I ask, Lord, that you convict hearts that need to be convicted, that you break those hardened hearts open, those hearts that are hardened by pride, and soften them. They can see the need for you, which will result in a love for you, which will result in salvation. So I ask this in your name, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. Or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.